If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be meditative, and here's why. In this episode, we find some answers to how can we play more capable elves? And what can we lean into in role-playing to catch that vibe that we know elves should have? And what can we add to elven subcultures to make them feel connected but unique? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. I'm his brother Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Having trouble today? You're feeling a little slow? Yeah. I want to be on point for this episode, but I'm a little hazy. Too much meditating, I think. <laughs> That's definitely the goal of meditation is <laughs> I think I just to be kind of messed up and hazy. Yeah, yeah I think Good. I did something wrong. <laughs> you meditated too hard. Today we're talking about elves. Those pointy-eared thirst traps. Sure. Sexy elves. Not for everybody. No, no. They're all sexy. Every one of them. Yeah, but... Not, I don't have to think your elves are sexy. No, you, well, you don't have to, but you would be wrong. I agree to disagree. Well, (laughs) I mean, this has been an image in my head since the dawn of wow. When did that come out? I mean, my first World of Warcraft character, yeah, like I made a night elf, a really sexy night elf from day one. And I want to advocate for normal looking elves. We need more just average... Hideous elves. (laughs) Average elves. Disgusting troll-like elves. Yeah. That's what Jordan is all about. That's the platform he's running on. Got more platforms about elves. You'll find out soon. (laughs) But seriously, what have we got to work with when it comes to elves? What do we know about elves? Well, they get real old. Yeah. Yeah. They get real old, which uh, isn't exactly the sexiest thing. Yeah. How do you feel about 750 year old elves, Travis? <laughs> Still think they're sexy? Well, who knows? Maybe they, they're sexy to the grave. Maybe. Well, I think they turn elderly at about 40. That's my pitch. <laughs> they go from young to just super old. 100 year old looking elves. <laughs> And then they just keep getting smaller and wrinklier <laughs> yeah. for the rest of the 700 some odd years. Till they're just skin. We know that they meditate instead of sleep. Yes. This is something I want to focus on greatly. Their reverie, it's called in the lore, where they're still aware of their surroundings. They're like semi-conscious, it's referred to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they make great folks to have in your party because you know that that flock of wolves. Sure. It's not going to sneak up on you. That's what you call it in fantasy. (laughs) They're a flock. (laughs) And a pack of geese. (laughs) And, I mean, they're just more. They're just extra all the time. Like, we know that they're more dexterous by nature, but there's various flavors that they come in. And, yeah, they're just, they just, you know what I mean? They just, they're extra. They just got something. They're better at everything than humans. Yeah, like... What did that swagger? I don't know. What do you want to call it? What did Legolas have that he was just like, he was always walking around with a bit of swagger? Like, it's a true confidence, but not a judgmental confidence. 
not a boastful confidence. Yeah, yeah. They just kind of walk around like, hey, been around. I'm seeing some shit. Because what could humans really beat elves at? Getting angrier quicker? Dying sooner? Dying sooner. <laughs> sure, that's in their top <laughs> list. It's a race to the finish. <laughs> and humans get there first. And I mean, if you really think about it, humans live 60 to 80 years, roughly. I'm going for more, but sure. <laughs> sure. Aim for the aim for the stars. 26 years on average, is spent sleeping. And then you get about 18 years of the first little bit spent as a total idiot. Then you spend the last little bit wiser, but, you know, just kind of existing as one big achy muscle. Yeah, and that generally just gets worse until you're dead. Yeah, and I mean, if we're doing kind of rough math here, that means that the average human in a fantasy world has about 15 to 18 good adventuring years. Yeah. Not a ton of time. Very true. Our adventuring years are almost through, aren't they? No, oh, I'm I'm past adventuring <laughs> age, I think. I'm creeping up there. The ripe old age of cruising in on 40. Yeah. And yeah. You're, you're only going to work as a wizard nowadays, Travis. <laughs> I'm going to die in some dungeon somewhere. I just wasn't fast enough. Unless you reach lichdom, of course. Ooh, that is life goals. Lichdom. Okay, but elves. So we've got humans, we understand their foibles. Now we have elves with their never sleeping. Now, if we do the same kind of math, and it says, right, rules is written, that elves mature as fast as humans do. Meaning that they probably have 18 years spent as a bit of a dum-dum. Yeah. And then, if we presume that they spend the last 15 to 18 years feeling kind of creaky and kind of old... That means that they have 715 good adventuring years because they don't sleep. Yeah, that's a lot of time. That's a ton of time. I think I, I think that'd be nice. That's a lot of stuff to cross off your bucket list. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff to cross off your daily to-do list. Come on, you're not making a bucket list for the first 650 years. <laughs> you're, you're spending the last 100 years making yeah. your elf bucket list. Yeah. And if we continue to do that math, they spend about four hours meditating every night. So you feel pretty good after about an hour of meditation. Oh, yeah. If you're wondering, Jordan is the meditator. That's it, a good stretch. That'll get you in deep. You're just arriving at this podcast. You might arrive at the conclusion that Jordan would be the one of the two of us that meditates. <laughs> I drink cocktails. I don't know. <laughs> Instead. I, d- yeah. I don't meditate. That's his mental health plan. Sure. Cocktails. Cocktails. <laughs> mental health go hand in hand. So they spend four hours meditating every single night instead of sleeping. And if you extrapolate that, that is 1,043,900 hours of meditation or 119 years of their 750 year average lifespan. I really got to put in the time if I'm going to make those kind of numbers. Oh boy, you got to pump those numbers up. (laughs) Yeah. And that leaves 595 years of prime adventure time. That's practice and it's experience that humans can never and will never reach. That's 33 times more than any human. Yeah. So they should be walking around with a little bit of that swagger. Yeah. 33 times the swagger that any human could ever achieve. I mean, when an elf gets to 150, that's young for an elf, but they're already looking at every human, knowing that they've got way more life experience than them. Every single human. They don't choose their adult name until they're like 115 years old. (laughs) They're like, I'm a dumb young shit. (laughs) 
up wow. until 115 years old. Yeah. So the best thing that we can think to do to really understand elves and to play them with a little bit more gravitas and some of that swagger that we've been talking about is to deep dive into a few traits that make them unique and find some emphasis. That emphasis is going to come from meditation. Yes, we're going to take this single skill of meditation and break it down, understand it, apply it to elves, and come away with a much better understanding of why elves are the way elves are in the kinship camp. This is Kinship Camp, where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventures around the safety of the fire. So the point that I want to start with here is that we should treat meditation in D&D as the cultural skill that it is for elves, not some sort of innate knowledge or ability that all elves possess. Like, when I've played an elf and haven't considered that, it's kind of just like, yep, I'm going to bed, and that means meditating. Well, and when we look at elves, at choosing elves as our player characters, we go, ooh, yeah, that'll be great, so that our DM can't get us in the night. Right. And that's where it stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we go, cool, cool ability. Anyways, <laughs> on to being an elf. But you have done a ton of research on meditation, and as we've previously mentioned you yourself do meditate regularly yes and i'm just gonna put this disclaimer out there for everybody i'm not some kind of a wise dude in any sense i do about five to ten minutes of meditation a day <laughs> i'm not a guru of any sort you got a ton of catching up to do <laughs> sir yeah i'm a probably like 25 hours total not a million Jeez, elves <laughs> But yes, the other night, in preparation for this episode, I did way too much meditating. I came away feeling real fine, real high. From the meditation. Yeah, from the meditation. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> and I also listened to a book called Altered Traits, Science Reveals How Meditation Changes Your Mind, Brain, and Body by Daniel Coleman and Richard J. Davidson. And if you hear me referencing any studies or talking about the different traits throughout this episode, that's where I'm getting this stuff from. I'm not making it up. So considering that elves are the only race that gets this trait in D&D, that they, instead of sleeping, they just sit down and enter a trance-like state of which they're still aware of their surroundings. So how does that transfer to a meditation and then b some of the takeaways well like i said for me it started with realizing that you know the culture has to teach their young elves how to meditate properly and without that if any elf goes off at a super young age they're not going to be meditating maybe they will just be sleeping eight hours like any other humanoid if you want to really get crazy with the rules so the effects of meditation on the elven culture are things like their heightened skills and their long lives and without those things, an elf would almost just be like a human, is what I'm putting forward. Interesting. Or like they are really harsh with their bodies, maybe they don't meditate. And since they don't need to sleep, they're just awake for 24 hours a day, slowly degrading Ooh, into madness. There you go. Yeah, maybe they still don't need sleep, but they're going to die at a human-like age because... Ugh. They didn't meditate. That's not they good for you. didn't listen to their ancestors. You got to sit down. You got to close your eyes. You got to be silent for a little bit. Yeah. So let's start jumping into these defining traits that would make a core elven culture. The first is interconnectedness. And this is the importance of everything as a whole. You're not just thinking about yourself. And belief systems around the world focus on this concept. 
I'm sure you've seen it in some form or another. They give it different names and flavors. But practitioners of meditation report feeling a sense of oneness with everything, of moving beyond just themselves. Sure, yeah, like feeling like you're a part of a grander thing, like you are connected to everything that's living. Yeah, and that interconnectedness leads to feelings of selflessness, but there is a scientific explanation for this. You've got the default mode network, which is a network in the brain consisting of the medial prefrontal cortex, posterior cingulate cortex, and angular gyrus. Gesundheit. Yeah, (laughs) don't usually get that scientific on this show, but it's known for being most active during wakeful rest. So that's the time where you're sitting there doing nothing and your mind is just wandering. You're not looking at memes, you're not scrolling your phone, just mind at rest. And the mind wandering that takes place within this default mode network is thoughts about yourself. You're thinking about your friends, your family, your past, your plans for your future, but all of that revolves around you. And this is pretty much the opposite of a flow state. I don't know if you're familiar, but you know that concept that when you're in the zone on something that you love, you forget yourself and time and all your problems and you're just yeah. in oh, flow. I, this is my favorite state. Like if I do any meditation, it's that. Right. And that's kind of a form of meditation, whatever you do to achieve that state. And the almost exact opposite of that is this default mode network where you're thinking about all the anxieties in your life. Okay. People report being less happy the more time they spend in this passive state. And when they studied long-term meditators' brains, they've actually found that there's reduced activation and connectivity in this network. So that means that they are rarely in this state of mind. They're not consumed with all the neurotic thoughts of self that the rest of us are. They're kind of floating through life. They're every day in that constant state of flow. See, I dig this. I dig this. This is what we're talking about with the elves. They just have the swagger, and it's from meditation. Yeah, exactly. They're so in the moment that they're not worried about anything. Interesting. Okay, I like where this is going. And this kind of is encapsulated by a Dalai Lama quote that I found. When asked what the happiest moment of his life was, he took a moment of thought, leaned forward, and said, I think now. (laughs) Because he just wasn't thinking about himself. He's just thinking about the moment. Yeah. Just enjoying where he was and what was going on. And this is just a little fun fact. Psychedelics also have a major quieting effect on the default mode network. So chew on that. Interesting. So that's how you can just get past your own bullshit and start to imagine some pretty weird places and ideas. (laughs) Yeah, except in that state, you don't have control over it. When you're meditating, you do. Interesting. The difference. So how do we put this into practice with elves? Like, how do we make this something viable that we can use in our games? Well, my first thought is about their motivations. So like when you're thinking about your character, you're not thinking selfish thoughts for what they're trying to accomplish in the world, right? They're they're thinking beyond themselves. Well, and considering that elves live so long, humans are always like, God, I got to cram it like maintaining a kingdom or like acquiring a kingdom yeah i gotta get treasure i gotta do this i gotta get a really fast horse to do all of that i'm gonna keep collecting and i'm me 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 elves could have this kind of aloofness to all of those desires like hey i've got 700 years here i'm about halfway through i think i could probably right some serious world wrongs with my time Yeah, I really like the concept of elves not worrying about the, you know, materialism and conquests kind of nature of humans. They're not trying to do things quickly. They're just kind of in that state of 
having what they need and and exploring things beyond those core human needs. I think it's interesting that we often do play elves in that kind of light of like that aloofness. Yeah. I don't really care about human squabbles, but this really makes it tangible. This makes it something that has a reason behind it. Why are those elves like that? Right. Because they spend every night meditating and they get beyond their petty needs and desires for the very next day. And they start thinking for the next 50 years, what are they going to do to entertain themselves or to, you know, better their community or world? in a much broader sense than we normally think. I like that. Here's another quote kind of on those petty issues of humans. Boundary lines of any type are never found in the real world itself, but only in the imagination of the map makers. That's by Ken Wilbur. I thought that could be a very elven quote. Oh, yeah. Especially for a good wood elf who's like, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't. I don't see your borders. Kingdoms? No. Nah. That's some bullshit right there. Do you know how long this forest has been here? Do you know how long I've been here? Longer <laughs> than your kingdom. You're going to come in <laughs> and claim. Yeah, sure. And some other ways that I think elves would behave based on this, like the present moment is always the most fascinating one, like that true curiosity of the moment. Childlike wonder for the world around them. Yeah. And I think they would never really get bored, which is kind of in contrast to the natural direction you sometimes go in imagining a long-lived individual. Oh, yeah. Immediately, when you play a vampire or something really long-lived, you're like, ugh, uh, I've seen it all. But the pleasures of this world no longer amuse me. I'm done. Yeah. But I do not think that elves would have that due to this meditation. Got it. And then, building off of that interconnectedness thing, in the lore, it's said that they're kind of in a dream state during this meditation. Mm -hmm. Like a lucid dream, where maybe they have a little bit of control over it, even. Interesting. So they could just dive into a state and start to dream up their own worlds. Yeah, they could play D&D in their minds. <laughs> oh, that is meta. <laughs> We're going so many layers deep. Yeah, VR. But I like the idea of this being related to the connectedness. Like, I can see a lucid dream that they're all kind of creating together. I think that could be really cool. Wait, so they're not just on an individual level. They're actually co-creating, like, other elves? Yeah, different elves. Maybe it's whoever's close by. You can kind of tap into each other's lucid dreams or, or maybe just whenever, wherever. If there's another elf meditating, you'll find them in that state. Like, two people agree to go to a diner in the middle of nowhere. These elves are just like... <laughs> I'll meet you in the dream state. <laughs> yeah, the diner in the middle of nowhere. It's just like that. Well, I recall reading an article on lucid dreaming and some of the benefits. So I like where this idea is going because if I recall, lucid dreaming is said to be really good for recovering from injury. And it's probably not causation, but correlation. Because when your body can lucid dream, you're in... REM. You're in that deep, deep, deep sleep. Okay. Well, it also so happens that that's when your body heals the best. So if you had an elf who was able to get into this kind of like lucid dream trance state, they would probably heal like a human heals in eight hours overnight. That elf packs it into four. Yeah. So it explains why they get a great long rest. Mm -hmm. I could see elves just going straight into that REM state like immediately. Another thing, unlike humans, humans have to like toss and turn a bit. 
Well, they're practiced, right? Yeah. While the human is sitting there going, ah, man, I can't sleep, the elf just shuts down like a robot. <laughs> yeah. It also said that the benefits to lucid dreaming were some of the motor skills while you're dreaming, your brain's sensory motor cortex activates in lucid dreaming states. This is the part of the brain that controls your body's movement. So you can actually practice motor functions and coordination skills while your body isn't moving. That's some weird shit. So if we take that to the fantasy level, could an elf simply be practicing at all times inside their own dream state? Yeah, they go to bed one night and wake up as a juggler. Exactly. And it also apparently relieves anxiety and stimulates creativity. So now we've got some traits that we can really play up in our elves. We've got creativity. We've got this like kind of tranquil, placid, hey man, everything's fine kind of vibe to them that we were searching for in the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely. That really ties into the next trait I was going to talk about too, which is emotional regulation. Because studies show that when experienced meditators are shown disturbing images, their brains bounce back to a state of calm much faster than non-meditators. Wild. So we've got an elf that in the heat of battle is still just tranquil. Calm as a focused. Mm-hmm. Let's figure this out. Now make sure that you don't play this as just quiet. You got to describe what your character's doing and they can still be talking. Oh, sure. Like they can be calling out orders. Yeah. But they're not panicked. worried and yeah. panicked. Yeah. And while things might not disturb an elf as much, if you've got some other good role players at the table, these things are probably still going to disturb your companions, which I think leads right into the trait of compassion. Because, you know, building off of that emotional regulation, when non-meditators see someone suffering, they feel a certain type of empathy where, you know, you see someone in pain and you feel the pain of that person a little bit yourself. Yeah. Someone's got a broken arm. Oh, you're thinking about your arm. That must hurt. I mean, unless you're some kind of psychopath. Yes, that is how we work. Or an experienced meditator because they feel a different kind of empathy. The empathy that a parent might feel for their child. It's immediately a sense of warmth and love is generated in a meditator rather than that sense of pain. Interesting. And what that means is that meditators actually are more likely to help somebody that's suffering. Because if you're feeling that emotional pain yourself and you're looking at a suffering person, the quickest way to end that pain for yourself is to look away. Whereas for a meditator, it's a lot easier to show the compassion in that moment. So if we're role-playing our elf, any kind of quest that involves people suffering is probably likely to be taken up by the elf first. Totally. That's in their wheelhouse. And like we were saying before, in battle, I can see this playing out in a way that like someone else at your table is playing up being in a heightened emotional state because of this battle. Well, your elf could be trying to coach them through it and talk them through it. Interesting. They're yeah. fine. So you're suggesting that the elf in the group might want to play the emotional support role. Absolutely. Of the party. Yeah. yeah. They're no strong silent type. They give a shit. <laughs> I mean, I play this up as being very hospitable to everybody until, you know, you're shown that you shouldn't be. Compassion. It's there. And the final trait that I really want to focus on here is focus. See what I did there? I do. It's hard to miss it. <laughs> so there's a concept called the attentional blink. And that's when two visual stimuli are presented in rapid succession. And we miss the second one because our attention is on the first. 
So a common test for this is flashing two numbers on a screen and getting you to identify both. The time between the numbers is testing the span of your attentional blink. And in most people, it's about a half a second. So if the second number is shown within a half a second of the first, you won't even be aware of the second number. I'm assuming at this rate, my attentional blink would probably be five, six minutes. Wow. <laughs> You're living in a real haze, aren't you? <laughs> That's rough. Yeah, we're cutting out uh, five-minute pauses between every sentence in this podcast. <laughs> Travis is way behind. Way behind. <laughs> but this attentional blink gets longer as we age. And it was assumed that this was a fixed feature of our nervous system. Scientists thought that's just how the brain do. But studies on experienced meditators show that their attentional blink is smaller and that meditation practice can slow the mental decline as we age. So without going into all the details, they found that regular meditators in their 50s had brain health on average that made their brains seem seven and a half years younger than their non-meditating counterparts. So I better get busy meditating is what you're saying. Yep. Or I'm going to be spanking you when you're an old man. <laughs> Not literally, <laughs> mentally. <laughs> Thank you for the Mental. clarification. <laughs> I'll have my time. I'm glad that that statement is committed to historical record now. Yeah. Okay, how do we make this valuable when role-playing an elf? Well, I mean, the obvious insight here is to apply this concept to elven aging. Like I was saying before, non-meditating elves are just going to be aging like crazy, like gangbusters. And the average elf who is meditating for four hours every single night. Yeah. I mean, this makes the case that any elf is not going to age like most humans would. You know, where we kind of get a little bit slow and a little bit dumb, the longer we live, we, you know don't have that same responsiveness when it comes to some of our thoughts or some of our speed of thought. Yeah, reflexes essentially, right? Yeah, so that elf at 700 years old is just as mentally sharp as that elf was 350 years prior. Yeah. And then when you consider old Gorgamel, the elf that's only, you know, 80 years old that lives in the elven community, but he looks really old and the party goes up to him and I'm like, oh, you must be the elder. Nope, I'm 80. I just didn't want to meditate. I swore it off. <laughs> God, you're really stuck on these elves that don't want to meditate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's bad for the mind. <laughs> Good. So now we have the anti-vax equivalent of an elf <laughs> yeah. who just doesn't believe in meditation. Anti-meditation, when clearly <laughs> it's affects her. <laughs> he looks Everywhere. 70. Yeah. <laughs> he looks 750 at 70. Yeah. I like it. Another fun bit of this focus part is we kind of talked about being in that flow state, but meditation also affects our attention. So we pay more attention to our surroundings and experiences when we're somewhere new, right? You go on a vacation, you kind of like remember every day in much more detail because you were much more present. Sure. And when we're somewhere familiar, autopilot kicks on and we go into that default mode network where you're thinking about yourself as you're walking around the city streets that you know so well. That makes sense. Yeah. So experienced meditators can keep themselves in that somewhere new vacation state of mind, which helps helps their attention. Their attention always being active on their outside world rather than internal thought. I think this plays really well into the perception check. Like if you're playing an elf with high wisdom, this is why. I like that. Yeah. So they're just picking up all of the details that the average human is going to miss even in their prime. Yeah, exactly. Elves can always be totally engrossed in the details of their surroundings, the mental states of their friends. Like they're just picking up on lots of stuff. Very cool. Perhaps they're even offering to teach some meditation to their allies. 
And my final point on focus is that multitasking has been shown to be, first, not real. You only focus on one thing at a time. Okay. And second, mentally exhausting. So since meditation strengthens the mind's ability to focus on one thing for extended periods of time, elves are going to be less mentally exhausted from pretending to multitask. And the mind of an elf is not easily distracted in any circumstance. So we're going to role play our elves very, very focused, like hyper focused on any particular task. Yeah. And maybe you've got, you know, not annoying, but like a character that's kind of playing into that. Like, I'm high energy. I'm always talking kind of thing. When your elf is doing something, they're aware of them, but they're not distracted by them. Okay. So to recap, some ideas for playing an elf that has that otherworldly kind of aloof feel but with more purpose and more dedication to specific traits and behaviors and more reasoning behind it so you got elves that are more concerned about long-term global events you've got elves that are extremely present and interested and entertained by the world and their party but they're calm in tense and dangerous situations but they're also well aware that others might not be those poor, frail humans. They're extremely engaged in helping the suffering. And they could be a little bit more parental to others. So that nurturing and helpful vibe. They might find it ineffective and unreasonable to focus on more than one thing at a time, thinking that it dilutes the experience and the mind. I like that. And they're also more observant and meticulous about the things that they do. If, if they're going to do it, then they're going to focus on it. Yeah. So I think that we should keep going with the kinship camp. And one thing that we've kind of failed to do is really address the subcultures of elves within D&D because you get the primary culture of elves that gets a plus two to dexterity, but then you've got others that have some different abilities. Yeah. So it's worth kind of talking about how these ideas might affect each one of those subcultures. Right. How to apply this to the classic flavors of elves that exist. So let's keep the kinship camp rolling and start with the high elf. Yeah, they're a little bit haughty traditionally. You know, they've got plus one to their intelligence and they know it. <laughs> that's that's the way to introduce yourself. I've got plus one to my intelligence and I know it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what's your intelligence? Mm, I see. So how do we flavor high elves that are interconnected. So something that I think would be kind of cool for different communities of elves to do with this whole interconnectedness flavor is based on another fun little fact that I learned about. So the Global Union of Scientists for Peace have conducted group meditation sessions of 1,750 to 2,500 individuals. That's a lot of people sitting silently. Yeah, thinking about the same thing because they were focused on peace and they believe that this contributed to lower crime rates based on some of the evidence that they gathered. Okay, I'm skeptical. Sure, and you can be as skeptical as you want, but this group at least suggests that group meditation has an effect on societal stress. And in the fantasy world, we don't need it to be true, we just need it to be fun. <laughs> Fair enough. So, would an elven community therefore have a group of elves that maybe even rotates out committed completely to meditating on whatever is important to that community or culture. I could see them being cheered on like a baseball team. <laughs> it's having a subtle effect. It's working. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's really hard to maintain your concentration on meditation when you have bleachers full of other high elves that are 
really cheering you on for all of your great meditating work. But that's where the focus comes in. The meditators can focus through the cheering and the cheerers can focus on cheering for like six years. (laughs) 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 This is amazing. And they're super present about it. So it works. It all works. But I'm thinking that the twist for High Elves here is that perhaps their group of meditators are keepers of knowledge, a group that has memorized the content of books and keeps it active in the place that the other elves go during their meditation, allowing them to study. Interesting. So the party elf could recall a book that they heard about once, go down for a meditation, and come back with the answer for the party? Yeah, absolutely. When the DM asks for your history check, you're like, just give me a couple hours. Yeah, I'll tell you tomorrow. I think this could also be a fun background for an elven character. Like if you're taking that, forget what it is, but like the scholarly background. Yeah. This could be the reason because you were one of the elves dedicated almost exclusively to sitting there meditating and memorizing books. That's pretty cool. I dig this flavor. So what about the emotional regulation? Well, with high elves, you know, they're really focused on that grander end goal. You can't shake them with emotion. Maybe they have a little bit of a judgmental nature when it comes to emotion. Yeah, I could see that. Like they're kind of look down their noses at those that get overly emotional. Yeah. It's like you can't really, you still can't control that. I see them getting kind of annoyed, honestly, by every time the barbarian flies into a rage. Yeah. God, you're (laughs) such a simple creature. Opposite. Which means that compassion would be their trait that they really don't worry about as much, probably. Uh, Yeah, I could see that. I mean, in real life, Compassion does mostly come from one specific type of meditation, where you focus the mind on feeling compassionate thoughts for the self and others. So maybe they just didn't make it to end others. (laughs) (laughs) They're just thinking about themselves. And non-meditators just don't make the cut because their minds are these sloppy emotional messes. I mean, they could almost think of compassion as that grander compassion of saying, listen, I don't have time for you necessarily. I'm trying to do some really important work. I'm trying to affect the world. Yeah. That kind of compassion that I have for the long, far-reaching consequences of what we're here today to accomplish, I really, I'm sorry, I feel for you, but I cannot get down there with you. I got to focus on my work. Yeah, I could see that. And of course, that focus is going to be easy for them. Their focus is on their intellectual growth, their improvement as a culture. Yeah, those lofty goals. I dig it. So what about wood elves who gain a plus one to wisdom? So this is almost like the flip side of that. Yeah. Any thoughts on that interconnectedness? Well, I feel like wood elves would feel obviously deeply connected to their world. They're much more natural. They're they're in it. They they live, they breathe, they are super present, and they appreciate all that's living around them. Yeah, they're almost always in that state of like a walking meditation where they're just wandering through the trees and in a blissful state kind of thing. Well, and I wonder if the lines would even blur for them of meditation and, you know, it's like what we talked about with the lucid dreaming and that kind of thing where they're, they've got that like ethereal kind of vibe to them. That's where this is coming from. So they get to survive and practice surviving every single day because they, they live among the trees. Like they're, they're out there in the world, in the mountains and in the forests. And their whole thing is that they're trying to preserve that. Yeah. And I think 
I would lean pretty heavily on the compassion angle for wood elves because typically I would say they're not portrayed as having a lot of compassion for outsiders, right? They're always like, there's a line of wood elves at the edge of the forest and they're like, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Something to that effect, yeah. Yeah, but I think I could see playing them as being less aggressive towards outsiders and maybe more insanely curious why one would feel the urge to come into their territory and like do any kind of harm. Like that kind of curiosity of, something's wrong in your life isn't it <laughs> like you're bringing torches in here are you like is everything okay yeah <laughs> like we're, we're gonna take your torch we're not gonna beat you up we're just gonna sit down and talk after that yeah we're gonna tie you up we're gonna take you back to camp yeah and we're just gonna we're gonna have a one-on-one you think you're about to get like deeply interrogated by angry elves and then <laughs> they're all just super chill <laughs> Asking you what the trouble is in yeah. your life that brings you here. Want some tea? Hey, we're going to play some calming music. Well, that almost goes into that emotional regulation and compassion is that I could see them treating the affairs of people. And I would assume that we would arrive this naturally. But, you know, treating the affairs of people and the affairs of the natural world as kind of equal. Like they're on the same plane. Okay. Those animals... They deserve some compassion. So do these people. Let's figure all this shit out. Yeah. Ooh, I kind of like that because they would see humans and humanoids as being much more a part of the natural world than, you know, our curse as real life humans is thinking that we're above nature. Well, and I would imagine that even humans in a fantasy world yeah. would have that those same kind of attitudes. It's what exactly. we can understand. So to have those wood elves transcend that and just be like, hey... Again, we're all a part of this. Yeah. You matter just as much as the uh, animal that you're hunting. Mm-hmm. What about focus? Well, I just had this kind of fun thought. I could see wood elves as having exercises set up throughout their domain, like different kinds of exercises. But the simplest example is an obstacle course, but it's extremely long. Like a ultra marathoner. Yeah. Like literally 100 kilometers of intricate obstacle course set up in the woods. Like a tough mutter that never ends. Yeah, for humans, it never ends. For elves, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that's a good challenge. Right on. I can I focus that. through that. Well, that brings us to the last subculture. The drow. The beloved drow. Who get a plus one to charisma. So what do you think their interconnectedness is? Well, I suspect that with that interconnected kind of meditative state, they can sit there and think two steps ahead. Like... The general vibe to the drow, if you kind of play that way, is that they're evil. Well, not necessarily, because again, if you subscribe to that evil people don't see themselves as evil, then we can kind of wrap our brains around the way that they might think. So when it comes to feeling interconnected, that charisma bonus and that ability to talk your way through things and to get people to see your side of things comes from having had that conversation about 50 different ways, feeling interconnected with your quarry, Mm. and, you know, doing all of these things, going through the motions within their trance, I've played this conversation out 50, 60, 100 times in my head. So I know exactly what's most likely to get me that advantage. And thus you have a plus one charisma bonus when it comes to using your persuasion, or your intimidation. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of that fine line of, like, is a person being manipulative or persuasive? 
Yeah. And that's all in the perception of those that they're manipulating or persuading. True. It's also in their motives. Are they doing it for selfish gain or are they doing it for the other person? Well, that's exactly right. And that's where we get into things like their emotional regulation. Now, like any good poker player, you don't want your enemy to see what you're thinking. You don't want to give away your feelings or your thoughts. So this is like the epitome of that cold calculating, never getting angry, never being overtly happy, you know, just poker face all day, every day. Okay. So do they have internal emotional lives? Are they just good at covering it up? I I think that's right. That's exactly it. Hmm. I mean, they have, they can be sitting there seething with rage. <laughs> But on the surface, they're going to save that for later. They're going to save that for the person they hire to come shank you in the back. Gotcha. Or they could be sitting there bubbling with joy. Or they could be joyful, sure. Yeah. yeah. And that comes to their compassion. So D&D kind of portrays the drow as having this culture that centers around the drow being superior and thinking of themselves as the superior to all others in the world. And then you have the individuals who think of themselves as being peak of the drow. Yeah. So kind of pulls away from that interconnectedness, too. Well, it does. So your compassion could be focused on them helping you to assist them with their life's purpose. So any drow is going to be somewhat compassionate. Yes, absolutely. I will help you until I need you. Hmm. I'm being helpful because I know that I need to get closer. I need to understand you so that I can figure out how to use you, how to manipulate you, how to get what I want. Interesting. Yeah. Like I could see kind of a twisted logic in which a drow is interconnected with everything. So nobody is any more or less important. But a drow still thinks that drow are more capable. So since I'm the most capable one, this isn't an ego or a pride thing. Yeah. This is just a, why wouldn't you help me? Because I'm <laughs> the one that's going to be able to do the most good for us. You see? Yes, I like that. It's like this backhanded compliment. Yeah, you're my sidekick kind of a vibe. <laughs> I love that. Walking around, if you're playing a drow, everyone else is your sidekick <laughs> in this adventure. I'm the Batman of this scenario. Okay. <laughs> Well, and then, of course, with that focus, you've got laser focus on their own personal achievement. Yeah. So hopefully this helps think about some some different drow and how you can kind of play with them based on this meditation. Of course, if you want to play counter to any of these ideas, you can do so and hopefully know kind of the, the reasoning behind what you're playing with and to do it with more intent. Well, and it's bizarre to think that all of this came from just the realization of the impact that having four hours of meditation time every single night of your life yeah. could have on a particular individual. Yeah, that's what makes elves unique, and diving into it really helped us expand on why elves are the way they are. We'd love to hear your ideas on elves. What makes elves unique? How do you roleplay your elf? And why? You've probably thought about elves. Everyone in the world has thought about elves. <laughs> they're everywhere and they're in everything. That seems like a bold statement. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you consider the fact that they're so entrenched in the folklore of the world, I'm not wrong, am I? Has Putin thought about elves? Yes. Staking my claim here, Putin has 
thought about elves every night before he goes to bed. Bet Midler thinks about elves every mm-hmm. single night. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Benedict Cumberbatch oh. thinks about elves all day every I'm pretty yeah. sure he is an elf. Exactly. I mean, he was in a movie about elves. He played the dragon in it. <laughs> the Hobbit. Sure, yeah. That was a movie about elves. I mean, kind of about hobbits, but... <laughs> It's literally only, called The Hobbit. I'm only not sure if you saw it. Because The Hobbits are the elves' sidekicks. Uh, okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> we hope this episode helps. Thank you to our patrons who also have helped in creating this episode. And a special first episode welcome to Matthew T. Thanks for supporting us. As well as Felix R. Chris F. I see spiders where there are none. The Senate. Lucas D. Lila G. The GM Tim. Nevermore. Thomas W. Tyler G. Ty N. Heavy Arms. Eric R. Aldrost. And Will HP. And a special thanks to Leprechaun, who joined us on our Discord hangout and really helped try to kick off this episode. A lot of this came from that one conversation. Yeah, we'd been stuck on elves for a very long time, and that conversation finally got us to spark this idea into the world. So we do bi-weekly hangouts on our Discord. We would love for you to come join us there so we can generate more great ideas for new episodes. And we also want to thank Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. You can join an awesome community of players and DMs by joining that Discord that Travis mentioned. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. I'm Jordan, and this is games. my sidekick, Travis. The day I'm your sidekick, <laughs> we're going to fight, is today. <laughs> <laughs>